welcome to another episode of Kodo Cinema, the podcast show where I talk about movies. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. Well, folks, we made it. We made it to the to Kodo Cinema's 150th episode. I never thought this would be the day, but here we are. Like, we made it. We made it to 150 episodes. I never thought this would be true. Now it is. It has become a huge reality. Like. We we are at 150 episodes for Kodo Cinema. Isn't that amazing? Like, I'm excited too. Like, think about it. Like, at one point, I reached 100 episodes. Right now, 50 more episodes later, we have hit 150 episodes. That is amazing. And and now, we're all probably wondering what film I'm going to talk about. Well, 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 going back to my uh, previous episode that I did, I mentioned that for my 150th episode, I'm going to talk about a Disney movie. Now I didn't I didn't say what film was gonna be, but all I know that it was gonna be a Disney movie. Well, well now I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you the Disney movie I'm gonna talk about. And this and this particular movie will be Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Oh my goodness, this one is going to be a good one, folks, because because in because in honor of my 150th episode in honor of my 150th episode I'm going to talk about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Now, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is a 1937 American animated musical fantasy film produced by Walt Disney Productions and released by RKO Radio Pictures. Based on the 1812 German fairy tale by the, by the Brothers Grimm, it is the full, first full-length traditionally animated feature film and the first Disney animated feature film. The production was supervised by David Hand, and the film's sequences were directed by Hearst Pierce, William Cottrell, Larry Morey, Wilfred Jackson, and Ben Sharpstein, with Walt Disney himself serving as the producer on the film. The voice cast includes Adriana Casalotti voicing the title character Snow White, Lucille Laverne as the Evil Queen, also known as the Evil Witch, Roy Atwell as Doc, Pinto Kolvig as Grumpy, Otis Harlan as Happy, Scotty Matraw as Bashful, Billy Gilbert as Sneezy, Eddie Collins as Dopey, including Harry Stockwell playing the Prince, Baroni Olsen as the Magic Mirror, and Stuart Buchan as the Huntsman. And also, Pinto Kolvig also voiced Sleepy as well. Now that's a voice cast list from from the very first Disney animated feature film. So so there there's your cast, so there's your cast right there. By the way, they were all uncredited during during the credit sequence. And to be honest, I don't know I don't know the reason behind of the behind this, like why were the voice actors uncredited in this movie? I mean, it's not I mean, sure, there were there were a couple of other early Disney animated feature films where all the other voice actors are uncredited. Although to be honest, I I don't know the reason behind it, but but at the end of the day, but at, at the but for for whatever for what for whatever it was, it, it still it was still a good film. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves still is still a good film. And to tell you the truth, I was first introduced to this movie when I was a little when I was when I was still in elementary school when I was in elementary school at a, at a very at the time at the time I was about um I I don't remember what age I was but I know it was like around the early 2000s 
when I when I watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs for the very first time on VHS. And at the and when I saw it for the first time, I was like, okay, this is actually pretty good. I didn't really know much about um Disney and their animated films. I mean, I mean, this was one of the first few Disney animated films I saw. I have also seen 102 Dalmatians, Lion King, and Walt Disney's Fantasia 2000, among uh, including a couple of other Disney animated feature films on uh, on in live action films on VH on VHS when I was a kid. But Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, I mean, it was something like I didn't really know much about this film. I just sit, sat down, watched the movie, and was like, okay, it's pretty good. But the older I got, the more I realized that this film had had a huge impact. Like. I just like I just realized that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is the first ever Disney, Disney animated film. Like that's that is something right there. Like I can't believe it. Like when I was little, I was able to watch the very first Walt Disney animated feature film. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is considered to be the film that started it all. And what I meant by that, I'm talking about like like the start of of a generation for Disney and for future Disney films as well. I mean, let's let's and and to tell and to be honest with you, I was very surprised. In fact, going back to the VHS for a while, I I remember um watching the whole film and then once the film was done, it cuts to like it cuts to a behind the scenes clip and it actually featured uh Michael Eisner talking about how Walt Disney brought this film to life. It was pretty it was pretty brief. But at the same time, but at the same time, kind of gives you an idea of like how of how this film was how this film came to be. I mean, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, to be honest, when I was a little kid, I didn't realize that. But also, but but it also led up to a musical number that that Bar that Barbara Streisand sang, which was "Someday My Prince Will Come." Now, let me be honest with you. That was for um that was for the two thousand one VHS release where uh, Barbara Streisand did a cover song of Someday My Prince Will Come. Now, that was a cover song that came out, like, sometime in the early 2000s, most notably 2001, because I was watching the 2001 VHS release. And that was when Michael... That was, that was And Michael Eisner even mentioned it during during that behind-the-scenes... during that behind-the-scenes clip in the VHS. So, that's how I remember... That's how I remembered it. So, so now... Now, before I, uh break down the film as well i just want to i just want to mention some i just want to mention a couple things one this two, 2023 it's this film is 85 86 years old and it still holds up after its first release and and on top of that the second thing about it like this like disney is celebrating its 100th anniversary like this is this is their 100th year as a company and and look, say what you will about about the company now. I mean, even like the direction they're going with, especially with the direction that they're going with. I know their direction is is not that great, but at the end of the day, really, we can all think back to the good stuff that Disney has done for the from the past one hundred years, and I think that is something to something good to talk about. And Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is that example. is 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 an example of, is an example of it. Like. Like, like as I mentioned, this film was 85, 86 years old, and that is within that hundred, that 100 year span. So yes, this is really something to talk about in honor of its of Walt of the of the company's 100th anniversary. 
So, anyway, uh, prior to the release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, it was distributed by Walt Disney Productions and RKO Radio Pictures. It premiered at the Carthay Circle Theater in Los Angeles, California on December 21st, 1937, although it was also released on February 4th, 1938 in the United States. The film became a critical and commercial success, and with international earnings of more than $8 million during its initial release compared to its $1.5 million budget. So, so just to go back to just to go back for a little bit um to the film's release when it was released in 1937 it when, when it was released in 1937 and of course uh, 1938 on February 4, February 4th it made more than 8 million dollars during its initial release it made more than 8 million dollars and it broke and it beat and it literally and it literally made its money back compared to its 1.5 million dollar budget it briefly held the record of highest-grossing sound film at the time, and of course, the film's the film was so popular it was it it was released multiple times in the year in the years to follow, in into the in theaters many times until its home video release in the 1990s, and of course it was adjusted for inflation. It is one of the top ten performers at the North American box office and the highest-grossing animated film worldwide. Is inflation-adjusted earnings? Top the animation list. Now, now as of today, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs has made four hundred and eighteen million dollars. That's from the film being re-released multiple times into theaters. So, so Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Think about that. It it made eight million dollars the first time it came out, but then it was re-released multiple times and it made more money. So it made over four hundred million dollars and. And and that is something that is so good. That is that is impressive. That is impressive because this is what this is the first ever Disney animated mo animated movie, and it made a lot of money. It made gold. And of course, with the success of Snow White, it 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 literally took off. It literally took off for the future of Disney. Like Disney's take on the fairy tale had a significant cultural effect, resulting in, of course, theme park attractions, video game. And a Broadway musical, and then of course, yeah, they also have an upcoming live-action remake as well. But, but nevertheless, the original film still holds up. It really, really does. Now, now before I break down, now before I, I go go into break down the movie, let me let, let me um, let me let me let me take you back to let me take you back to how uh, of how this all started, like a little bit about the studio and then about the film as well. So. Let's take a look. So let's go. Let's go into a little bit of history. So, so anyway, the per the man who started it all, Walt Disney. Walt Disney was the way, was the man who was who who made Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Of course, Walt Disney was born in Chicago, Illinois, on Dece December fifth, nineteen o one. He is a, he is considered to be a pioneer of the American animation industry. And introduced several developments in the production of cartoons. And as a film producer, he holds the record for most Academy Awards earned and nominations by an individual. And of course, during his early early years, he developed an early interest in drawing, took art classes as a boy, and got a job as a commercial illustrator at the age of 18. He moved to California in the, in the early 1920s and set up the Disney Brothers Studio, now the Walt Disney Company. So, uh, just to just to double back a little bit. Like 
he opened up he 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 began to start his own company with his uh brought with his brother Roy with his brother Roy and uh brought in brought in a, a uh he also brought in an he also brought in an animator named Oob Iwerks and they were able to start the company and this was back in 1923 by the way so now 100 years later which is 2023 that's this is where uh they they were able to start their first ever company which is called the Disney Brothers Studios so so with that in, so with that in mind like Walt Disney, Roy, and Oob Iwerks, they were basically working on many short films, most notably the Silly Symphony series, and of course the introduction of uh, of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse would become like a replacement for Oswald the Lucky Rabbit due, due, to, the, due to the fact that Walt and Oob would lose the rights to um, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit to Universal Pictures, because at the time, Walt and, Walt and Oob were working on were making animated shorts from their company for Universal Pictures before before they made the creation of Mickey Mouse. So anyway, so anyway, they're making animated shorts, and and of course, one of their animated shorts for the company being Mickey Ma with Mickey Mouse, they were able to create Steam Steamboat Willie, which was actually one of the first one of, one of the first Mickey Mouse shorts that actually featured a synchronized sound, and it was all black and white. It was a very good short. It was a very good short, and with the success of that, they released other shorts, including the Skeleton Dance, which was which was made which was made in 1929, and then of course the Three Little Pigs. So, following the success of those shorts, um, Dizzy also saw the full length. Dizzy wanted to go into go go into full length film territory, like of like like he wants to. Make a make a feature length film. Like what feature length film he's gonna do, and he's gonna do this in animation. And he he literally did, he really, and one of them one of them was a proposal for um for a feature. One of them was a proposal for Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and that was for a, fe a that was a feature film adaptation. Although unfortunately, um, this was scrapped due to Paramount Pictures producing uh, their own film version. So what did Walt do? Well, he decided to to approach the brothers the brothers Grimm's tale, fairy tale of Snow White, and um, and this is where it all started. Now, now Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It wasn't while that film was not the first animated feature film as a whole, although it was the first animated feature film for Disney for the Disney Company, but not for the film but not for the film as a whole. So this is like. So this is like as a whole, like just like a, just like a regular fil regular film as a whole, but it was considered to be the first full length cell animated feature. Fe it was considered to be the first full length cell animated feature in motion picture history. And cell animated is is a technique in which each frame is drawn by hand. So hand drawn animation, right there. So this is an cell animated is hand drawn animation. And then of course, um, this there were a, and of course during the production there were a lot of doubts, not just from Hollywood, but also from Walt's own brother and his own wife. Walt Disney had a fight to get the film produced. Both his brother and business partner Roy Disney and his wife Lillian attempted to talk him out of it. 
in the in the Hollywood movie industry, they refer to the film as Disney's Foley, and that was during production. Now, to uh, give you to give you a little context of what it means, Foley is Foley is a lack of good sense, foolishness, like like pe like like people are literally describing Walt's project as a as a foolish project. They're just like out there telling Walt Disney like come on Walt, don't be a fool about don't be a fool about this. Nobody's going to watch this movie. Like that's what a lot of people were, were were saying. That's what a lot of people or at least I think they were saying, but it was true. Like the Hollywood industry called this called at the at the time when this film was in production, the Hollywood industry called Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs Disney's folly, something that is foolish. And that's a that's a huge insult because today that's not the case anymore because that's not the case anymore after it was first released. Now Disney Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is considered to be a success. It's no longer it's no longer a foolish thing or Disney folly. Now now going back to the production Walt had to mortgage his own house to help finance the film's production, which eventually ran up to a total cost of one million four hundred eighty-eight thousand four hundred twenty-two point. He had Walt had to mortgage his house to help finance the film's production, which eventually ran up to a total cost of one million four hundred eighty-eight thousand four hundred twenty-two point seven four million. Dollars. That is a massive sum for a feature film in 1937. In midway through the production, Disney needed a $250,000 loan to finish the film. So what did Walt do? He ran a rough cut for Joseph Rosenberg of Bacon of America, who sat impassively during the sh during the showing. Then Rosenberg turned to the worried Walt Disney and said, "Walt, that thing is going to make a half full of money," and approved the loan. So Walt Disney's uh, friend jo Joseph Rosenberg had hope for this film. Like he 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 was one of the few people out there who who sees the lights in that movie. There is hope for that film, and hoping that film will be successful. Like he he and Walt knew that this was gonna this was gonna be a good this was gonna be a good project. It was an ambitious move. It was an ambitious move for Walt Disney, but it paid off at the end. So there was some hope for this film, and and like I said, Hollywood, the Hollywood industry at the time when this film was in production had doubts about this film. They called Walt Disney. They literally, they literally thought this Disney was doing a foolish thing, creating a animated feature film for the com for, for 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 Disney for the company it's for the Walt, for the Walt Disney Company. But nope, that is not the case anymore. And um and when it happened when it was when it was released it became a huge reality. Now just to keep going on the production itself um now just to keep going on the production itself like like we gotta get to the cat we I want to talk about the casting a little bit like I even though I already mentioned the casting I want to talk about the main casting and that is Adriana Casalotti. Adriana Casalotti was cast as Snow White and this is from Walt Disney having a conversation with uh, Casalotti's father. And uh, Casalotti's father was a vocal coach, and they were trying to get some voice talent references. And of course, uh, during during the phone, it was it was over over the phone, and Adriana overheard the conversation, 
and she eavesdropped in, picked up the phone to sing, and bantered in a childlike voice. She was chosen from more than 150 applicants, among whom was Deanna Durbin, whose voice sounded too mature to Dizzy's like liking. However, Casalia's high-pitched voice also caused misgivings among the animators, with Dizzy himself admitting that her singing would irritate. I mean, I didn't think her singing was irritating. I like her singing. Her singing was very good in that movie. Although uh, Virginia Davis and Thelma Hubbard, other voice actors, they were able to provide miscalculous, were able to provide, were able to provide additional voice tracks for Snow White, such as her screams in the forest flight sequence. Now, of course, uh, Lucia Laverne was cast to play to play the evil queen, and this this was due to her voice being regal and having a lot of depth. Although several members of Disney's staff con contended that her voice was a little old for the character, Laverne herself, as I mentioned, voiced the witch. The animators initially felt that her voice was too smooth and not rough, rough enough for the part. But of course, Laverne managed to achieve the desired result by removing her false teeth. Moving forward, uh, Eddie Holden and Billy Fletcher were initially considered for the role of Doc until Atwell was cast in early 1936. Radio actor John Gibson initially auditioned for the part of Sleepy and recorded some dialogue after a pre-recording session in February 1936. After reading about the casting in a Variety article, Gilbert, who was known for his signature sneeze, telephoned Dizzy to try out for the role. Dizzy agreed to audition him and upon witnessing Gilbert's sneezy routine, hired him on the spot. Kenny Baker, although not related to the Kenny Baker who played R2-D2, this is the Kenny. This is a different Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker, who provided vocals for several silly symphony shorts, was temporarily considered for the role of the prince until Stockwell was cast in 1936. His voice acting was performed in the style of the opera, operetta, which was often used in musical films in the 1930s. Reginald Barlow and Cy Kendall originally auditioned for the role of the huntsman until Buchan, who was hired in 1936 as a studio casting director and dialogue coach was cast now 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 moving forward there were you there were there were, there, were, there you all there you also have the musical numbers and some of the well-known musical numbers that were included in the film is hi ho someday my prince will come whistle while you work and then of course one song that's basically the production itself there are even multiple names there were also different names for the seven dwarves like there are also names for the seven dwarves and this was and this was chosen through a process of elimination. There were many names for for the for the dwarf characters, even though there were seven of them. There were several names for the for there were several potential names for the dwarfs. That includes Jumpy, Deffy, Dizzy, Hickey, Wheezy, Baldy, Gabby, Nifty, Sniffy, Swift, Lazy, Puffy, Stuffy, Tubby, Shorty, and Burpy. And then of course. As I mentioned, many of those names were selected in a process of elimination. And of course, the, the, the names that we got were Doc, Grumpy, Bashful, Sleepy, Happy. And then of course then of course you also had Do and then of course you also had Dopey and Sneezy. So um so yeah, those were the seven those were the seven names for the seven dwarves. And now um also going back to the music a little bit, the music was provided by uh, by Frank Churchill, Lee Harline, and Paul Smith. And 
that's just basically it. That's just basically the production of this film. So now I'm gonna go break down this movie. So, so here we go. I'm I'm gonna break down Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And sport and for those who have not seen the film, and I'm and I'm and I'm pretty sure many of you have seen this film. But for those who have not seen this movie, spoiler alert. The film opens up with the open with the opening credits that features the RKO Radio Pictures logo because at the time uh because at the time uh RKO Radio Pictures serves as serves as the as a, as the distribution company for 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 Dis, for Disney, which is actually which is actually one of the big five film studios for RKO Pictures. Now we get the mu we get the music being played in the background and it, we have and we also we also see the film's title. But well, we also see a, a a message from Walt Disney himself, and and I and for what Walt Disney said in in that message, and I quote, "My sincere appreciation to to the members of my staff whose loyalty and creative endeavor made possible this production." Walt Disney. This referred back to the production itself. When at the time Hollywood Hollywood at the time thought this movie would not be possible, but thankfully, the Walt Disney and the loyalty of his crew members were able to make this film possible despite the initial doubts and at the end of the day it worked out very well and that and that little message from and that message for Walt Disney himself and that include and that included his signature in the credits his actual signature that's his actual signature and message in the in the film's opening credits and it, and it was there it was right there it said it all the message said it all like the the loyalty to the loyalty and creative endeavors that were made by the crew members of this film made it made it possible so so the movie so then we get to see the opening credits for a little bit it teases it teases it teases a couple of songs which is basically which which basically features the one song which is the one song musical number for a brief moment but then but then the credits end and it features a, a shot of of the fairy tale book Snow White opening up. It literally opens up like with Once Upon a Time, but of course it's basically referring to like of, of Snow White and the Evil Queen. Having lost both of her parents at a young age, Snow White is a princess living with her wicked and cold-hearted stepmother, the Queen. Fearing that Snow White's beauty will outshine her own, the Queen forces her to work as a scully 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 maid. And asks her magic mirror daily, who is the fairest one of all? For years, the mirror always answers that the queen is pleasing her. So then, after that book sequence, we get to see a beautiful landscape of the castle, and it zooms in on the evil queen as she walks up to the magic mirror. Like she, she wants the magic mirror to come forth through the bla through a blazing through a blazing fire in the glass. We see the ma we see the magic mirror, and as I mentioned, the magic mirror is being voiced by Maureeny Olsen, and and the evil queen being voiced by Lucia Laverne. She asks the magic mirror, "Magic mirror on the wall, who is the fairest one of all?" So the magic mirror, in a in a very solemn and deep toned voice, he 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 literally he literally describes that. There is someone out there who is fairest of them all, and the evil queen is like, reveal this, reveal this person. She was like, reveal this person. Like she is demanding 
while she's calm and demanding while also being rude as well. Like, like you see her facial expression too. Like her her expression is so scowl. Her expression is is like she is she is mad, man. Like look look like the look of her face. She she's got that scowlful scowlful look. Knowing the fact that she that she wants to know who this person is. So what the magic mirror says, he describes he describes the person, or which is basically a a young girl, and I quote, lips red as the rose, hair black as ebony, skin white as snow. And then the evil queen realizes who it was. It's Snow White. And then the next scene later we see Snow White being voiced by Adriana Adriana Casalotti. She's out she's out on the front deck watch basically washing the front deck as she's like dumping water on on the on the porch or front front on the porch of the front deck and she goes to this wishing well to pick up water to pick up water and she makes a wish into the wishing well. She wishes for her one true love to come. Now, as I mentioned that, that this is basically part of the fairy tale like you know how in fairy tales like you have like a princess who wishes for their true love to come, which is basically a prince. You kind of know what I'm saying. You kind of know what I'm saying. But uh, well, of course, Snow White is a scully mermaid in this at this very moment. As she's singing, and the singing is from a singing for Adriana Casalotti is very good, spot on, especially for a film that came out. Especially for a film that came out in 1937, 1938. That is, that is amazing. Now, while she's singing, the pr the prince actually comes in, comes in and hears her singing. Like like Snow White doesn't realize this until until the prince comes in comes in and um and and sings the the last few few words from Snow from the song that Snow White is singing. But uh, Snow White is so scared, realizing that oh my good oh my goodness like he's here. The prince is here. Oh no, no, no! What am I gonna do? So Snow White runs away, runs away. Uh, and he, she runs away, goes upstairs to her room while the prince is standing outside, standing out in the standing outside. It's like, wait, wait, wait! Don't go! I, I didn't mean to frighten you. So he starts singing, and this is where the one song comes in. And to be honest with you, I feel like the one song fits with his character, with his character, because there is another song. For Snow White, that actually fits her character too. So, both they both got two different songs in, in this movie. Even though, yeah, it connects to both of the. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the song that Snow White sings connects to them both. But I see that more as Snow White's theme, as Snow White's song, than you know, being both the prince and Snow White. If you know what I'm saying. But anyway, uh, going back to one song, like he sings one song as if, as if, as if, as basically saying that. He has found his true love, which is basically Snow White. And Snow White's just up there in, in her room, just hiding behind the curtain. And she's like, oh my good, oh my goodness, my true love is here. And that's just basically in the thought process for Snow White. So what, the, so, so what does Snow White do? Well, she sends one of her doves down there to, you know, give the prince a kiss. And it's a very cute moment, too. It's just so cute. I mean, the scene says it all, but not until the evil queen sees it all. Like she sees it through her her she sees it through her bedroom window, and she's like, 
Snow White and the Prince. I gotta do something about this. She closes the curtain of her bedroom window and hires this huntsman to take Snow White into the forest and kill her. Like, and the, and the, and the huntsman is voiced by Stuart Buchanan. The huntsman is voiced by Stuart Buchanan. And, and the huntsman, like, takes, um, takes Snow White to the forest and he, he's being ordered by the, by the evil queen to kill her. And, and actually a little fun fact, there was a certain point in the film where, where his name was supposed to be Humbert, but they decide, but I, I guess the film, I guess Dizzy decided to go with just the Huntsman. I mean, I feel like the Huntsman name, of the, I feel like the Huntsman's just, just makes sense. I feel like it made sense. But of course, when, then of course the next day, but of course, like the Huntsman realizes what the evil queen is doing. Like, like he realizes that, he realizes that, that, that Snow White the little princess is like is is like like why is like Snow White is the is a is the little young princess and and the huntsman's like your majesty your majesty the, the little princess the little princess why 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 do you want me to do this evil queen is like silence you you better do as I say you know the punishment if you don't so yeah if you probably knew if you have the idea if you already know the idea you probably know what it is so um. The evil queen gives once uh, the huntsman to kill Snow White and bring back her heart into this jewel box. So you see this jewel box that the evil queen has, and she's like, "Bring back her heart in in this." Like she shows him the box, and there's a quick zoom in at the end of the scene, and then cuts to black as it transitions to another scene with Snow White's out in the field picking flowers, and. In the background, there's a there's and in, in the background, very good detail. The huntsman is there as he watches Snow White picking flowers, and then she sees this little bird. This little bird is is sad and lost as as and and the little bird lost his parents. So Snow White helps cheer the bird up to help find the bird's parents, and the little bird and she does. She and the bird were able to find the little bird's parents, and. While that's going on, the huntsman sneaks up from behind, like he takes a knife out and he's ready to kill Snow White. Snow White screams, and and at the very moment, he drops the knife. The huntsman drops the knife, and it's just like I can't, I can't do this, I I can't do this. He feels so remorseful, like what he's what he's going to do. Like he doesn't want to do this, he doesn't want to do this, but he's being ordered to do so. So what the huntsman does, he tells Snow White that the evil queen is out to get her. Like he tell he tells her the evil queen's out to get her because the evil queen is so jealous of Snow White that she wants to kill her. She wants Snow White dead. That's why she sent the huntsman out. But the huntsman, but the huntsman decides to set Snow Snow White free, telling Snow White to run away, go go hide in the forest, don't come back, run run run, keep running. And that's it for the, and we don't see the Huntsman throughout the rest of the movie. And this is a very good moment with, with between her, Snow White, and the Huntsman, is that the Huntsman was able to warn Snow White and set her free to run away and to, to run away just so she doesn't get killed by the evil queen. So Snow White runs into the, runs into the forest and, and the forest is creepy, eerie, haunting, and hellish too. Like, and the music says it all. The music from Frank Churchill 
Lee Harline, Lee Harline and Paul Smith, they were able to create an intense, an intense, an intense moment for Snow White. It is scary. Like, like it's like Snow White is in, is like in, is basically in hell at this moment. Like, like this is a hellish scene. Like, I mean, it's creepy and scary. The forest is so creepy. Like, she envisions different monsters. Like, like mostly from trees, including a moment where she envisions like like logs in the swamp that look like alligators. But she was able to escape until the very moment where she she feels like she's cornered by different monsters and different crazy scary eyes. And the music ends abruptly as she faints, and she's she's scared. She's crying on the ground on the ground covering herself like it's so scared it's so scary she is scared to death until then until then and at the moment when the when the darkness it was dark during that scene it it was dark at one point but it but it bring but the light but the lightning changes but the lightning changes to a bright tone where the where where we see forest forest animals come out from behind and see snow white they notice that Snow White's on the ground, and they're wondering, wondering, what's going on with her? What's up? Like, why is she crying? And and Snow White sees it all, and Snow White explains, like, it's all because I was afraid. And all the animals were able to cheer her up. And and this leads to a musical number. This led to a very good musical number, and it really helped cheer Snow White up. And 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 of course, Snow White can't live out in the forest alone so what does she do well with the help of the animals the animals were able to bring snow white to a beautiful cottage which is right across from this little creek and it had a had a nice little uh water mill water mill with with a beautiful tree beautiful with the back with the trees in the background and and they were able to give her a night to give her a nice place to rest which is a cottage which is a cottage it's a beautiful cottage by the way she refers it to as a as a little dollhouse. I mean, hey, it does look like a it does look like a dollhouse. So, so anyway, so anyway, uh, Snow White and the animals go inside this cottage, and she finds and she finds something in the house, and she's like, she well, at first she screams a little bit, and this which which frightened the animals, but but the thing that she saw was a chair, and it was a cute little chair. <laughs> she sits in it, and then examines the cottage like she re noticed that the cottage is untidy and and messy and she she noticed that she noticed that it could belong to um to little children it could be a children's cottage but but she comes to realize that she comes to realize that maybe the children don't have have parents and and she even realizes that too like like she said maybe they're orphans that's too bad, which probably explains why the house is messy. So she get she had a, she has an idea. She decides to clean the, clean the house and cook a meal for for the for the children. And and with, and with that being said, they could allow Snow White to stay. And and of course, and this leads up to a mu another musical number. And it leads up to another musical number where all the animals work work to help work to help and clean the house. And it's a very satisfying moment too, realizing that hey, hey, we're all working together to clean this house and to make it nice and clean. And it's a very good moment. We get some funny, pretty funny. Mo we get a couple. We get a couple of funny moments where 
uh, a couple of squirrels were uh, were sweeping the dust. They were attempting to sweep the dust under under the rug, but Snow White was like, ah, not under the rug. So they decided to sweep the dust into a mouse hole, but the mouse literally <laughs> literally sweeps it out all by himself. And then we get another we get a moment where um uh where where the animals were looking at the dishes, but Snow White's like, no 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 no, put it put it in the tub, put it in the tub. So they put it in the tub and fill it up with water. We even get another we even get another crazy moment where uh one of the chipmunks was uh, trying to dust off the cobwebs, but a spider came down beside came down beside it and scared it away. And of course, uh, a squirrel even dusted the cobwebs off too with with his own with his own tail. We even get a moment where uh one of the deers is basically being a laundry basket being a laundry basket to take the laundry out outside and wash it in the creek with with all with the animals like washing clothes. And and that's basically and that's just basically it. And that's basically the whole sequence. The whole sequence is just basically cleaning up the house and doing laundry and cooking a meal. And it's a very satisfying moment. Very good moment too. And then of course we get we get the introduction to the seven dwarves themselves. We see them in the mines, and by the way, they're they're actually working class dwarves, and they were digging in the mines, digging for for jewels. And we get we get a musical number for them saying we dig 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 da da ba bum bum ba. We dig 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 bum bum ba bum bum ba. So basically, they're digging. They're digging for for jewels and. We 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 get introduced to 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 the dwarves, which are basically Doc, Grumpy, Happy, Sleepy, Bashful, Sneezy, and Dopey, and and they're working in the mines. We get we get to we get to listen to their musical number, and of course we get a we get a couple of funny moments. One moment features um, Sleepy, who is basically riding riding a cart with this deer, and as he's riding it, he's sleepy. A fly comes in. And he tries to hit it, but he hits the deer, and the deer just kicks, uh, ki kicks Sleepy repeatedly like a jackass, and 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 it fits well with the musical number because the, because Sleepy was going do 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 do. This was this happened during 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 the whole deer hitting Sleepy sequence where it's just it's just funny because Sleepy accidentally hits the deer. And the deer kicks him, kicks Sleepy around on the car like a jackass. It's just, oh my goodness. He was trying to go for the fly. The fly that is flying around. That's what Sleepy is trying to aim for. Hit the fly. The bug that is flying around. And then we get another moment, another funny moment where uh, Dopey was, uh, was taking the two diamonds that Doc had and he puts them in front of his face as if there were a, p a pair of diamond eyes, but Doc was like, but Doc was like, Dopey, what are you doing? Take those out, take those out of your, take that out of your face. Don't. Like, he, he hits Dopey in the head just to get the diamonds out of his face, and then Dopey's like, Haha. But anyway, um, the clock strike, well, and then we, there's a clock that ring, and this leads to another musical number, which is obviously Hi-Ho. Hi ho, hi ho! It's home from work we go. Da 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 da. Hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho! That's the famous musical number for the dwarves. So the dwarves get two different musical numbers in the in the same scene. So it is very amazing because the 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 dwarf the dwarves are um are walking home. But I feel it. But I see that's more of a march. This is I feel like this is basically in the march of the of the seven dwarves as they're as if they're marching home. 
from the mines to their cottage. And it has that March feel to it. Like, think about it. If you listen to the song Hi Ho, like, we all remember the lyrics. Like, and it feels, and like, if you listen to it, like, it feels like, it feels like a march a little bit. It's got that bit of a march rhythm to it, in in my personal opinion. And it's a very good musical number. And, of course, later on, uh, Snow White goes upstairs to the bedroom, and she see, she sees seven seven be- she sees seven different beds where it all belonged to um the names of the dwarves. Although she doesn't know that they were dwarves, she thought there was there were seven little children. So she decides to take a nap on one of their beds. The animals were able to cover her up with a blanket, and they all decided to take a nap too. But it wasn't until all the animals woke up to the singing to the sing to the dwarves singing and. All the animals escaped, and they're like, "Oh crap, the dwarves are back! Let's get out of here! Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go!" So they all went downstairs, including the poor turtle who was struggling to get upstairs. Which, to be fair, that really sucked because the turtle, t- t- the turtle was trying so hard to get up the stairs. I mean, it sucks that he was, it sucks that he was able to get up there, but realizes that he has to go back down to uh, to to escape. But he gets hit, he gets hit multiple times, but. He he was very protected. He was very protected by his shell. So there's something right there. But anyway, the dwarves were able to get were able to get back to the cottage. But they realized that the light is on. So they hid behind a tree and they they all popped out and said, "Jiminy crickets!" They realized that someone's in the house. Who is it? Who was it? Well, obviously we all know it's Snow White, but the dwarves don't know it. They all thought it was a goblin. They all thought it was a monster. They all thought it was a witch. They all thought it was a dragon. And Grumpy's like, mark my words, there's somebody in this house. I mean, we've been out all day. I mean, I mean damn, my back is killing me, and my and so so are so are my feet. So they all decided to go into the house to see what's up. So so they do that, and there are a couple of a couple of good de- details about this moment is when the dwarves are are tiptoeing into the house. You do hear the screeching sound from their feet as as if there were as if, as if they were tiptoeing on the floor. It's a very good sound effect. It's a very good sound effect for the floor, for that floor sound. So that's a pretty good sound effect. And also another detail is when Dopey accidentally slams the door shut. And all the dwarves are like, Dopey, quiet down. Don't slam that door. You don't want to wake up this, wake up this, this, this creature. Or someone, whoever's in the house. So <laughs> it was a funny moment. So, so then, another, then another moment comes is when Doc realizes that the floor has been swept, and and then all the dishes were put up in the cabinets, the table was set, and Bashful's cup was washed, and of course uh, something was cooking in the pot, and Grumpy was like, "Don't touch that pot! It could be poison or something!" And the pot literally makes a noise, and then and then Grumpy's like, "See!" So another moment comes is when another moment comes and this is a funny moment too is when uh one of the dwarves sees flowers on the on the table and 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 this dwarf was impressed by the flower I forgot who it was but I'm pretty sure I think it was Bashful I think it was Bashful I think who pulled out the flowers and he he shoves the flower in front of Sneezy's face and Sneezy's is like no 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 get those get those things out of my face you know you know I can't stand it you know I'm gonna ah 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 like he sneezes, he sneezes like a hurricane, and Grumpy was like, "Sneezy, you're all fool. What are you thinking? I'm sorry, I can't sneeze. You gotta, you gotta, ah, 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 ah!" 
but thankfully the dwarves were able to stop Sneezy's sneeze. But 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 unfortunately, what they don't know is that the bird, that three of the birds were still in the house. So the three birds made noise that scared the dwarves, and they all went into hiding. But they realized that the noise was coming from upstairs. So what the dwarves do, they send Dobby, Dobby, they send Dobby, Dobby, they send Dobby up there because Dobby, Dobby doesn't talk as much and. I, I think the reason why they call him Dopey, well, obviously he doesn't talk much, but I think another reason why they decided to go with that name is because, because Walt, because remember, like, because I, I mentioned several names, several potential names of the dwarfs. Like, one of them is Deafy. Deafy, you know, hard of hearing, hard of, hard of hearing, D-E-A-F-Y, Deafy. That's basically meant, that's basically meant for hard of hearing. That could be the re that or that could be that could be a reason why they named him Dopey because he doesn't talk as much. I mean, what about hearing? Does he have hard of hearing too? I mean, I don't know. That could be another reason. But anyway, um, Dopey goes upstairs. The dwarves tell him that that they're behind him. Don't worry, Dopey. We're right behind you. Yeah, like you said it from from at least ten staircases below. So Dopey goes into the room and. Tries to look for this creature, but unfortunately, he hears someone moving in this in the bed, all covered up, all covered up in the blanket. Dopey screams, runs out of the room, literally plows through the se the the six dwarves, and they all crash. They all send them flying back downstairs to a, to a wall. All the dwarves, all six out of the seven dwarves, escape the cottage. They shut the door. Dolby tries to tries to escape, but the dwarves all try to keep the doors shut. But unfortunately, the doorknob breaks and it sends Dolby flying to the kitchen into a pile of dishes, and he and he runs out of the cottage. And also, here's another here's another hidden here's a here's a here's a little here's another attention to detail, and this is a continuity error too. The scene where Dolby breaks the door handle. It's gone. Like you don't see the door handle for both sides. But um, but another shot later, you see. But another shot later, you, there is um the another shot later, the door handle is back on the door is back on the door. So how did it happen? Could could it be magic? I don't know. But that's a kind of new year because one shot or a, a one shot before there was the door handle was gone. And now it's back on the door another shot later. So there's a continuity error. So then um Dolby runs outside all covered up in dishes. Um he tries to catch up to the dwarves, but the dwarves see Dolby as if he was a monster. So they all beat the living crap out of Dolby out of Dolby, who was supposed to be the creature, and they and they all they all stopped and realized that oh wait, wait, wait stop it's only Dopey. So Dopey tries to Dopey and the dwarves were trying to were trying to explain like what's going on who's that who's that upstairs and Dopey only describes it as someone who is sleeping. He only describes the, the creature sleeping. So it's sleeping upstairs in the room. So all the dwarves go back inside, back up the stairs, and they try they're about to attack this creature, but it turns out to be who else? Snow White sleeping in the bed. She's just sleeping, and Doc is like, "Well, it, it, it's a girl, it's a girl." But Grumpy's like, "Are you kidding me? This she could be a witch." Doc doesn't agree with that, but but of course, uh, Grumpy's yelling, "Woke Snow White up!" And Snow White's like, 
Oh dear. What's with the where are the children? And she sees the what's supposed to be seven little children, but it was actually seven seven dwarfs. Seven little men. So what's next is basically an introduction, like Snow White tries to say, How do you do? Grumpy is like, How do you do what? <laughs> That's pretty funny. And and of course, um all the dwarves introduce themselves by saying their names, except for Grumpy, which um Snow White makes a pretty good guess because he sees Grumpy with an angry face with his arms crossed and Snow White, Snow White imitates this by saying, Oh, you must be Grumpy. <laughs> it's so funny. So of course Grumpy and Doc uh, uh, Grumpy and Doc argue for a, for a while, and they and because they were trying to discuss about Snow White, like why is she here? She should not be here. She should leave leave the cottage. But 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 Snow White's like, oh no no no, don't please don't send me away, please don't, please don't. You know who's gonna come after me? The evil queen, because because she knows about the evil queen, including the seven dwarves. But the one thing that she doesn't know is that the evil queen doesn't know that she's here. Unfortunately, she will eventually. She will eventually, Snow White. But for now, she doesn't know. So as soon as Snow White learns about, well, of course she learns about the cottage that's home to the seven dwarfs. Um, um, Snow White decides. Snow White decides, like, you know, if I could, if I, if I stay, I can help clean, and cook for, and cook for you guys. And it was a moment, and the dwarves all agree. So Snow White keeps house for the dwarves. And they all there, and they were all, all about to have a nice little soup dinner. But unfortunately, the soup is not ready yet. So, so what does Snow White do? He, she sends the dwarves to go wash up. But the dwarves don't even know how to wash up. So, so they decide to come up with a lie and say, "Oh, we washed up recently." And Snow White's like, "Oh, really? Let me see your hands." And the dwarves is like, "Uh uh, uh oh, yep, they're busted." <laughs> they. Ah, uh, they knew they were lying, knowing that they didn't wash up. So all the dwarves show their hands, except for Grumpy, and and Snow is like, "Oh my, my, my!" So why don't you all march on in and wash up? If you don't wash up, you will not get a bite to eat. So all the dwarves march in to, I don't know what it was called, but it was a room where it had that bathtub. I don't think it's a bathroom or anything, but whatever. But but all the dwarves came in, and then Grumpy was the last one in because Grumpy is just grumpy. He's a grumpy old man, I guess, or a grumpy old dwarf, I should say. So that's pretty, pretty funny. But anyway, but anyway, all the dwarves are in there. Grumpy just sits on his barrel with this little wheat grain inside his mouth, and he, as if it was a grumpy cowboy. It's like nobody's gonna make me wash up. Yeah, yeah, sure. You think that? Okay. So anyway, the uh, six of the seven dwarves. I'll go to the this goes to this tub to see the water and they were like, Okay, this is not bad. Let's all do this. So anyway, just 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 get just get yourself, put a hand handful of water in your hands and we'll, and we'll go And this is a fun musical number too because because this is just basically basically the dwarves washing up and then Grubbish is sitting there's like Ah who who ah who the hell am I kidding? I'm not gonna do this type of crap. So and and all you guys go fruity, and there's also another funny moment where the fly comes back, the fly from the mine that's been buzzed, that's been bugging Sleepy, and 
And the fly even take even washes up too. And it's a very funny moment because you get a close up shot of the fly of, of the fly washing himself washing himself with the soap. It's pretty funny. So then after after that moment, uh Grumpy is like, Oh, so you all washed up. Huh. I like to see I like to see I like to see you got I'd like to see you try to make me wash up. The dwarves do that in casual fashion, leading to a broken barrel and dragging and dragging Grumpy to the bathtub, with Dolphy struggling to get the soap to him, but he accidentally eats the soap after it slips out of his hand, hits one of the dwarves, and in, and it backfires into his mouth, with Dolphy burping out bubbles. And and the funny thing is during that scene is during that scene is when Grump is when they all are are washing Grumpy washing Grumpy up and it's just it's just a hilarious moment like like Grumpy's just like no don't just stop it stop it stop it and the dwarves don't do it it's just a hilarious moment and then it ends with it ends with Grumpy all cleaned up and he wears his flower bouquet you know because he's because now he's now he's he's all cleaned up. And then Snow White calls him for dinner, and and what does the dwarves do? They leave the they leave the room with Grumpy behind in the bathtub, and then Grumpy is like, Hah! and then it ends. The scene ends. Also, there was another scene in, in there was another scene in the cottage that was actually deleted. It was when Snow White tries to you know show the dwarves how to eat like gentlemen, although. It didn't really work out. It didn't really work out because um, actually I don't know the reason behind it, but it didn't really work out. You Knowing that the dwarves, the dwarves were able to were, were able to have table manners. The, the dwarves didn't have terrible table manners during that moment. It's just the fact that Snow White tries so hard to to show to show to show the dwarves how to eat like gentlemen, and, but that didn't happen. That didn't work out well. Which actually would have been a nice little character development moment, just to show like, hey, even though the dwarves have bad table manners, they can learn how to eat like gentlemen. Although that didn't work out, it didn't work out in that deleted scene. And actually, there's and what and and that deleted scene, it's also sad too because one of the anime because one of the animators who worked on that scene, what who who worked on who worked on that scene, his name is um, Ward Kimball. He he was discouraged by the removal of the scene, and he 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 was so he was actually going to leave the studio, but Disney persuaded him to stay by promoting Kimbo to supervising animator of Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio. So so there was a little silver lining right there. Even though Kimbo was mad about the scene being left on the cutting room floor, Walt persuaded him to like, hey, listen, listen, look, look, I'm sorry, we look, we look, we didn't want to. Look, I know it's hard for that scene to leave, but here's the thing. But here, I'll let you do Jiminy. I'll let you animate Jiminy Cricket for the for my next film. Does that sound good? Okay, great. So there was a little silver lining right there. So anyway, the next scene is back at the castle with the evil queen. Like she tosses in the magic mirror, and, she, and obviously the next question is it is basically this: magic mirror on the wall. Who now is the fairest of them all? But of course, the magic mirror doesn't doesn't think it's the evil queen. It's still Snow White, but the evil queen thought Snow White is still dead. But but unfortunately, but but for proof, she opens the the box to show the magic mirror that that it's her heart. But no, the magic mirror sees sees Snow White's heart as the heart of a pig, which means that the huntsman brought back a different heart. It's the heart of a pig, 
and the evil queen realizes this, and she's like, the heart of a pig, and I've been fooled. She goes downstairs to her uh, lair, I guess, like, she goes downstairs to her lair, and she decides to create a potion to make, to turn herself into an old, to into an old woman who is basically a witch, and it, it's done in a very creepy fa fashion, like, she makes she makes the potion using mummy mummy dust, a, a, a steam of scream, a blast of wind, and a lightning bolt, and it actually scares this raven that is stand, that is sitting in the room. This raven is like, "What is this cycle queen doing?" Like she's like this raven is sitting there, like wondering what's going on, like what's going on. But of course, the evil queen is the evil queen is disguising herself as an old witch. Which is basically an old hag, and this raven is scared. Is sc the raven is scared by her appearance? Nevermore. So then, this was after the whole transformation sequence, where we see the little detail where uh, the evil queen was like holding her hand on her on her neck as if she was choking, leading up to uh, her hair turning gray and her hand turn like decaying and nails growing. Nail is growing sharp. And of course, obviously the reveal. The reveal is scary. So, what does the evil witch or evil queen do? Make a magic potion to for a poison to make the poison apple. And she does so. Because uh, we see the evil the evil witch making the making the making the potion and dipping the apple into the potion. And for a while, and for that moment, like the for a moment when she pulls the apple out of the potion, it, it's got that skull and crossbones logo, and until it turns into red, for for an apple, and then the raven sees it, it's like, oh no, what does this, what does that, what is this, what is this witch doing, and and the evil witch, for the evil witch jokes around and tries to give the apple to the raven. The evil queen with the apple in her hand shows it to the raven and asks. Have a bite! And the raven's like, no, 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 don't give it to me, don't give it to me, don't give it to me, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, but the witch is just messing around with the raven, and then the witch is like, not for you, it's for Snow White. And the evil witch was about to leave with the poison apple, but she realizes that there could be an antidote, and there is an antidote. So she looks into that book, and she's like, the the break the cur the sleep like death curse can be broken by love's first kiss. Love's first kiss. Ha! As the evil queen slams the the potion book, and she literally tells the raven, and I'm pretty sure the audience that 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 Snow White, after she eats the eats the apple, she'll be buried alive. Buried alive. That that is something you don't really hear a lot. Like. Being buried alive, that, oh my goodness, that is, oh my goodness, that is, that is low, that is so low, that is so low. And even the raven is scared by it. So the evil queen leaves the castle to go find Snow White, and she's just like, the huntsman didn't do his job, so I'm going to do this myself. So she leaves, and then we get a scene where Snow White is, is having fun with the dwarves. They're having a little party. They're doing like a little yodeling party. And of course, the moment where Dopey and Sneezy 
are were, were pretending to be the pretending to be a tall man for Snow White. So they were dancing around until Sneezy has a has another sneezing episode and he launches Dopey out out of his coat that they were disguised they were both disguised disguised in. And it sends Dolby flying up to the ceiling. On top of that, we get some killer, uh, killer piano, piano or organ playing from from Grumpy. He was pretty good. Even before that, Dolby got some good drum, drumming skills too. So that was pretty good. And the whole the whole moment's a pretty silly song too. It is a silly song as well. And then we get another song from Snow White where she's saying she, she sings, "Someday my prince will come." And it's a very beautiful moment too. From uh, Snow White, and at the very end, at the very end, and it's a very beautiful moment because all the dwarves were sat down to listen to this song. They were like, "That's a beautiful song. That is so beautiful, so beautiful." Grumpy does the thing, so and Grumpy's like, "What do I care?" And then once the song is done, on the the dwarves and Snow White were about to go to bed. But uh, Snow White, but Snow, but the dwarves actually let Snow White sleep in in the bed, and sleep in their beds. But Snow White's like, well, what about you guys? Where are you gonna sleep? Oh, don't. And the dwarves are like, oh, don't worry, we'll find something to sleep on. Yeah. And Snow White was like, okay, good night, pleasant dreams. And once she closes the door, all the dwarves go to this one pillow that Dolby was sleeping on, and they broke the pillow apart because they they couldn't share. So what did they do? So what happens is, well, Dolby sleeps on this feather on the on the bench. Um, Bashful sleeps in in a drawer. Happy sleeps up in a cupboard. Grumpy sleeps in the soup pot, who who that was basically made for the soup. And and Grumpy's like, hm, hm, what's Snow White talking about? And then we see we also see Doc sleeping in the sink. Um, Sneezy sleeping on top of Dopey, and of course Sleepy. Just sleepy. His name says it all. And and then of course the fly. Then of course the, the 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 buzzing fly that came by to bother Sleepy comes by and sleeps on top of his uh, sleeps on top of Sleepy's nose, snoring and with a buzzing snore. And and then the scene. And then the next day. Um. Then the next day the dwarves go off to work. Snow White each gives them a kiss on the head. And she gives at least two kisses on the head for uh, Dolby because Dolby is just dopey. I mean, <laughs> he's pretty dope. He's dopey. Yeah. So it's a pretty funny moment. And then of course, uh, Grumpy was the last one. Grumpy was the last one standing, and he tells Snow White, "I'm warning you. Don't let anybody or no one into this house. You got it?" Uh, Snow White agrees, and she gives Grumpy a kiss on the head. And and actually, and then at this very moment, Grumpy gets this sigh of relief that 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 he that he's feeling love again. Like, like he, you see a smile on his face, and you hear a sigh of relief from him. And and Grumpy's like, oh, well, that that I guess that was it wasn't that bad. So and then and then and then she he sees Snow White and waves at her, and then Grumpy Grumpy goes back to reality. Like <clears throat> he wa he walks gets hit in the he hits his, his he hits his nose on a tree on a tree on a tree and then and then accidentally falls into the creek hits and hits his head on the on the under the bridge. Hey, I guess it's a Tuesday for Grumpy, I guess. And then Grumpy leaves with Snow White saying, "Bye, Grumpy."
So Grumpy leaves, and then, and then the next moment, and then the next moment, and then the next moment, we get to see the evil witch walking through the forest, and she comes across these two vultures who are hanging around the tree, and and they all see, and they they both see the witch as is like, ooh, I I I see somebody. Could it could this mean? Is does this mean her time might be coming? If you know what I'm saying, yeah, these vultures, they eat, they eat a lot of, they eat dead things, by the way. These vultures are not to be messed with. So they follow the evil queen to the cottage, and this is when Snow White was making a pie for, uh, well, obviously for the dwarves, but it, but it had Gruppy's signature on it. And the evil queen eavesdrops in, and she smells the pie, and she's like, making pie? And Snow White's like, yeah, it's this fairy pie I'm making. But the evil queen's like, it's apple pie. Because she's a, because the evil queen's about to give Snow White the apple. As if she was about to poison her. Even the vulture sees this. It's just like, oh, ho, 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 ho. we're going to get something tonight, buddy. We're going to get something tonight. So, and the animal, and all the other animals see this too. And they're, and they all, t and the animals, aside from the vultures, attack the evil queen or the witch. And she drops the poison apple, and then Snow White comes out and is like, No, 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 shame on you guys. Come on. Why do you have to go out there and attack this poor old woman like that? And there's even an evil smile on the witch. It's like, oh, someone, oh my goodness. Finally, somebody's realizing this. But the evil witch fakes a little bit of a, heart, a little heart attack, and she, Snow White takes her inside the house to give her water, and the evil, the evil witch still has the apple, and she has this conversation with Snow White to tell her that this is not just any apple. It's a wishing apple. Yeah, sure it is. It's not It's not a wishing apple. It's a poison apple, by the way. So the conversation is still going. Like, she asks Snow White, what do you wish for? And Snow White wishes for her to be with her one true love, which is the prince. And uh, in order for that to happen, um... In order for that wish to go through, she has to eat the apple. But uh, like I said, it's a poison. It's a poison apple, and the and the and the witch is tricking Snow White. I mean, Snow White doesn't know that the apple is po is poisonous, nor is the the witch or the old woman a witch, and being the evil queen. The evil queen. I will say this: the evil queen's a witch in disguise. That is just something right there. Like, like the evil queen wants to be the fairest of the of fairest of the land, but she's just jealous. She's doing this out of jealousy. That's what the evil queen is doing. Like, she's trying to kill Snow White. That's what the evil queen is doing to Snow White, all because she is jealous. Because her jealousy takes over, which explains why she went out there by herself to give Snow White. To, to trick Snow White into eating the poison apple, thinking that it was a wishing apple. But no, that is a poison apple. So, anyway, um, just to move the scene forward, uh, all the other animals, they, they find the dwarves at the mines. They try to bring them back over to the cottage, but they the dwarves refused, thinking it was just a, just a trick. But until um, uh, Sleepy mentions that maybe the animals won't leave. They're they're probably they maybe maybe they want to talk to us about Snow White and this gives the idea that this actually draws the attention for uh, Grumpy and the rest of the dwarves like they realize that 
Snow White could be in trouble. They know the evil queen's gonna come after her. And this is where Grumpy steps up to lead. Like, Grumpy just, Grumpy steps up and says, Snow White's in trouble! We gotta save her! Come on! So Grumpy leads the charge. He rides, he, and he, he rides on one of the deers, and same with all the other dwarves. They ride on the deers to go back to the cottage and rescue Snow White, and so do all the other animals. And this is, this, this, uh, and the right and the sequence itself is is very intense. Like this is like this is not only intense but also triumphant because the dwarves are coming to the rescue to res to rescue Snow White and and fight off the evil queen. So and the reason behind it is the fact that they know Snow White for only one day and they, and she really took care of the dwarves. She helped clean the house. She helped feed them dinner. They were having fun one night. They were playing music. They listened to her story, and of course, um, and of course, they all looked up to her. They all looked up to Snow White because they really care for what, for Snow White and for what Snow White did for them. So that's why they all. That's why they all rode off, rode off to rescue Snow White, not knowing the fact that uh, that the next scene later. Snow White's about to eat the apple, and once that and that happens, and that really happens when when the evil queen or the the old hag or witch or whatever you want to call call her, she tells Snow White, "Okay, since you did, since you were able to take care of 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 your of old Granny, here you here, I'll give you the apple, and and with the witch that that you said." You gotta make sure to eat it. Don't let the wish go cold. But till but when Snow White eats the apple, she feels strange, and and she falls. You see her hand on the floor, with the apple rolling out of it. She ate the apple, and she falls to a sleep like death. The evil queen, the witch, the old hag succeeded her mission she succeeded she won at the very moment that she killed snow white well technically she poisoned snow white well she didn't i mean not well technically she poisoned snow white to eat the apple but she is in a sleep like death but the evil queen succeeded in what she was going to do like she knew what what she was doing like the evil queen knew what she was going to do she was doing and now, with that being said, the evil queen was about to leave, and it says, "Now I'll be fairest of the land." <laughs> she laughs maniacally, and as she's she's leaving the cottage during a rainstorm, all the dwarves riding on the deer, and and the and an army of animals come 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 riding by. They're about to stop. They're they see the evil queen, and she begins to run. Grumpy stops and, and sees the sees the evil queen and as and says, There she goes! And what I really and they all chase after her. What I really like about this sequence is the music alone. Like you hear two different themes. You hear the triumphant trump, you hear the triumphant brass section doing the dun da da dun da da dun da da dun da da bum ba ba bum ba ba That's basically the that's basically the th that triumphant theme for the dwarves as they're going after the after the, the old the old hag because 
It's describing the, the dwarves coming to the rescue. And then you hear another theme, and this is describing the old hag is da 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 You hear that theme you hear that music theme that is being played for the for the witch because this is this is this is very evil because here's the thing it describes the evilness for 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 the evil queen for the evil queen but it it comes out so fast because this is a chase sequence the dwarves are chasing the evil queen which leads up to the moment where 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 it all ends up on top of a cliff or a mountainside, or, or or a mountainside of some sorts, where the where the where the evil queen or the old hag or witch or what or whatever you want to call it, is is looking down at this ravine on the cliffside, and she's like, "Oh no, I'm trapped!" And what follows is the vultures. Like the vultures follow the dwarves and and the evil evil queen, and because. They know something's something's gonna happen. Like they're they're waiting for something. They're waiting for for a body. They're waiting for a body to drop. And this leads to a final confront, the final confrontation where the the evil the evil queen was about to uh, move a boulder with a stick, and the, she was gonna ha she was gonna have the boulder move to crush the dwarves. But um, for, and she even laughs maniacally. But at the very moment, right before she could do, right as she's trying to do it, a lightning bolt strikes the edge of the cliff that the, the, the evil queen is on. And also, a little attention to detail, the lightning bolt even strikes the stick. Like, you like you, like you see it, the stick before the lightning bolt, but once the lightning bolt strikes, the stick is gone. Meaning, it, it literally snapped out of her hand, it literally zapped out of her hand, and once that happened, she fell. She lost her balance with the rock side, and then she fell down to that ravine, and and the boulder comes with her as well. And I'm gonna tell you this right now: the evil queen's death in that scene is is one of the most brutal deaths I have ever seen in in any anime in any Disney animated movie. Now, to be fair, though, you don't see the body. You don't see the you don't see the body. You don't see the body of the evil queen. You you really don't. But you have to. But it's all in the minds. It's all in the mindset. It's all. It's really all in the mindset because, like I said, the evil queen got struck by lightning. Well, well it struck the, the cliffside. She fell all the way down to the ravine. The boulder came down with her, came down with her, and then. And then, and then you see the vultures on that branch. Um, they're on that branch, and they see, and they all, and they look down at the cliffside, seeing the evil queen dead. And if the fall didn't kill the evil queen, it would definitely be the boulder rolling, on, rolling onto the evil queen. Now, the boulder didn't land on. I don't think the boulder landed on top of her. It's really impossible the boulder land on top of her because if the boulder land on top of her, it it would not move. But if the boulder was like, but I'm pretty. But if you see the boulder sliding down, it would roll onto her, crushing her to death. Which explains why the vultures see the the whole dead body, the the the, the entire body dead. As the boulder was moving away, 
was rolling away from the evil queen. Even the dwarves looked down. The dwarves looked down at, at the evil queen's dead body, realizing that she's dead. The evil queen is dead. And what follows is the vultures flying down to eat the dead remains of the evil queen. That is, and that is the end of the evil queen. Like, she is dead. What, the very first Disney animated feature, the very first Disney animated feature film villain, dead. The evil queen, the very first villain for a Disney animated feature film, is dead. And one of the most brutal deaths you have ever seen in a Disney animated feature film. While it's not the most brutal, there have been other brutal deaths in Disney animated feature films. But the one in Snow White is one of them. I'm telling you, and I'm telling you this, right? And I'm telling you this. Anyway, and also, just to go off topic a little bit. When, I, when seeing the vultures for the first time, like, I didn't know what those vultures, I didn't know anything about those vultures. Like, I was very little. I didn't know what those vultures were. I mean, I know there were birds. I know that. But, but, and I, and I thought they were working for the, for the evil queen or even, or, or that, or, or the old hag. I thought they were just working together. But no, I, the more I realized, the more I look at those birds as I got older, I realized these birds were actually following her. Because they know she's old. Because the evil queen looks old. Because, well, it's the evil queen in disguise, but that's what the vultures pictured the evil queen. As, pictured the evil queen in disguise. As an old hag. And they were, and once, and once that old hag, like, dies, they'll eat the remains of the dead body, if that actually happens. But, and unfortunately, that did happen on the cliff side. And that, that did happen on the cliffside and falling to her death with the boulder finishing her off. With the boulder rolling on her and the vultures finishing off the evil queen. That is, that, that is, that's some, there's like so many, there's like so many hints where that, that, that the evil queen's death was going to come at that very moment. And it, and it, and with the hint of those vultures really says it all. So anyway, um, the ne and then the next scene, moving forward to the next scene, is obviously one of the most heartbreaking scenes to come out of this movie, and it's it's all the dwarves coming and coming back to the cottage, seeing Snow White, believing that she's dead, and it's obviously one of the most sad. It's obviously one of the most saddest scenes I have ever seen in this in this film. Like, and it's it's silent too. There's no dialogue. All you hear is uh, organ music being played in the background, and of course the raindrops. There's literally no dialogue in this scene. It and this whole scene with the music says it all. Like, she she is in a sleep like death. After eating the poison apple, and all the dwarves are upset. They're crying because one of the because meetings because they met someone who really cared for the dwarves, who helped who helped took care of the of the cottage, who helped like bring a sense of joy and fun to the dwarves. And they lost some. They lost someone gone too soon, and. 
And 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 I will say this, as much as I feel bad for all the dwarves, and I really do, the one dwarf I feel bad for in this scene is Grumpy. And and, and to be fair, I, th and that's really adds a huge layer to that because here's the thing, like I'm pretty sure everybody, I, I, for when it comes to like uh what, what the, comes to the dwarves, I'm pretty sure everybody can relate to Grumpy in in many ways because hey, we all been in situations where we have Grumpy situations. And of course, I'm pretty sure everybody's favorite dwarf is Dolpy, in my personal opinion. But to to but a dwarf to relate, it's obviously mostly Grumpy. I feel like, in my opinion, because when you think about it, Grumpy Grumpy was an old grump who didn't think Snow. He didn't care for Snow. He didn't care for Snow White at first. But once, but once he he left the cottage and. Once he left the cottage, and after a kiss on the forehead, she—you see that sigh of that—that that felt a relief, like like he realizes that hey, you know what, Snow White's not actually not that bad. And on top of that, and on top of that, um, on top of that, there is a scene. There was a scene before, um, before there was a scene late. There was a scene earlier where Snow White was praying to was praying to the Lord about praying to the lord about about grumping you know like she wants she's praying to she's praying to god to ask god to make grumpy to make grumpy nice and you know what that that actually happened like you you see you see that during the scene when all the dwar when all the dwarves leave the cottage and after she gave a kiss to uh, grumpy on top of his head and it's a very satisfying moment that grumpy started to change and of course, the same can be said during the chase sequence, where he realizes that Snow White's in trouble. He led the charge. He cared for Snow. He cared. He he started to care for Snow White at the very moment. But once he realizes that Snow White's in a sleep like death, he cry. He's crying. He feels. He feels so. He feels so sad and remorseful, not wishing that you know he could. He could you know. Feel to get the get more connection with Snow White, and and I feel bad for, I feel real bad for him, and it's so sad. It's it's so sad, and, and even the animals too. Like the animals saw Snow White for the first time, and they feel bad too. They they are all upset, and this entire scene ends with it ends with a blackout. Some of the scenes do end with a blackout. Which is obviously a transition, but at the same time with this one, I just feel sad. It, it feels sad. It it feels sad, and 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 it feels so sad knowing the fact that Snow White has met her demise during during in this sleep like death after eating the poison apple. It's just sad, real sad. So then, so then. So then the dwarves. So what the dwar So what did the dwarves do now after that very moment? Well, they actually created a a glass coffin for Snow White, and it's a very very beautiful glass coffin. And all the animals, including the dwarves, were able to leave out flowers for Snow White as a nice little as a nice little um nice little memorial for her. Well, and I, and there's another attention to detail during this there during that during this next scene where uh you see the sunlight shining on the Snow White who's sleeping in the coffin. You see the sun the sunlight like the Lord's sunlight 
as it shines down, as if she she's going to ascend into to into heaven. And it's a very symbolic scene too. Like you, if you look at that scene, if you look at the scene where with Snow White in the glass coffin and the sun shining down on her, it's a very symbolic scene of the of of the Lord's light shining upon the glass coffin, as if she'll as if she'll be ascending into heaven. But the but during that scene as well, you get the one song playing playing in the playing again and. It's it's a very it plays in a very I I don't know I don't I don't know if it's a major or minor key I know it starts off on an E flat I know it starts off on an E flat but I'm pretty but I think it's an E flat my I I think it's an E flat minor and it's very sad it's a very it's a very sad it's a very sad tone and this is with the moment where the prince comes in the prince heard about. The snow about Snow White, so he decides to come. He he decides to come in, and was able to help the dwarves and the animals out with Snow White. And what he does is, he gives her gives her a kiss kiss on a kiss on the lips, and he kneels to her. He kneels to her. Everybody in this in everybody in this scene during the during the glass coffin scene, they kneel to Snow White. They kneel to Snow White, and then at the very moment, the music picks up again in a very positive tone, at, at, because because True Love's kiss w- would break the curse, and it does so. And the and and once Snow White is once Snow White wakes wakes up, she sees her true love, and her true love was able to pick her up, and all the dwarves and animals rejoice. They all rejoice. They feel so happy. They rejoice knowing that Snow White is alive. Like she has come back to life. And and this was with the help of the prince as well. This was with the help of the prince as well. And at the at the end of the scene, the prince carries Snow White to his horse. And before she she and the prince and the prince left, Snow White gives a gives a kiss on a kiss to the dwarves on the head one last time. And says goodbye to all the dwarves and all the animals and as the prince and snow white snow white as the princess snow white rides off we get to see the final scene is is the castle with the sun with the sunlight and the clouds shining in the background and 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 this also ends with this with the songs with a re and with the with this with the reprise of someday my prince will come and it's a very good way to end the movie and on top of that we get to see the book we get to see the book one last time stating and and they all live happy, happily ever after the end and then we get the we get to see the end credits where where it says a Walt Disney production and the music ends cuts to black that's the end of the movie that is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and 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 to go back to the last shot of the to go back to the last shot of the film with the castle and the sunlight and the clouds, there are many layers to that scene, in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people would point this out. Some people said I heard I I know some people said that it does represent it does have a have a uh, heavenly theme to it, and I do agree and. To be honest, I do agree with it because when you think about it, this is like the kingdom of heaven. 
it's like the, it's almost like the you're seeing the kingdom of heaven like a new life has come and this is like a testament this is like a testament it's just, it's like a testament right there if you really think about it and of course if you really think about it, it you if you really think about it snow white's parents are not in this movie like it's like as if Snow White's mom or dad are looking down at Snow White, and they are they they then it's like Snow White's mom and dad are looking down from the kingdom of heaven. They and they they are they are so proud of Snow White. Like they're happy they're happy that she's a that she's alive, but they're also happy that she has found her true love and what she has accomplished, not just for. Not just for uh for for the prince, not just not just for um not just you know for finding her true love, but what she has done for for others as well. She was able to you know like I said about the dwarves, she was able to care for the dwarves. She she helped clean and made make food for the dwarves and was able to have fun and build build a good friendship with the dwarves, even the animals as well. So that's pretty symbolic that that there's. That they're that 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 Snow White's mom and dad are looking down from the kingdom of heaven, and they're happy. It's it they're happy for Snow White, and of course, and of course, another layer to add to this moment is from my point of view, I see that as more. This is like a little bit outside of the movie. But the moment with the castle and the sunlight and the clouds shining through, it's I see that as like the future of dis of uh of dis of the of the of walt disney like it's like they it's like you're seeing walt disney's future now the future of the dis of the company of where it's going to be the castle symbolizes the logo the the walt disney logo it symbolizes the the walt disney studio the walt disney logo the castle itself it's like the it's the castle itself that describes the logo and with the sun shining through, there's light, light, and hope for 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 Dis for Walt Disney himself, who has created this masterpiece of a film. And I know, I, I, as much as I don't want to say masterpiece, but Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is an example of a masterpiece because Walt Disney himself had a hard time getting this film off the ground. Almost everybody around him thought that what Walt Disney's doing is foolish. But no, but but what he but but no, he, he that's not what Walt was doing. Even though he felt worried, and with his friend from the Bank of America, like his friend had hope for Walt Disney. Like like he knew there there was hope for this, and it real and it went through very well. That and I and I see that moment, that final shot where you see with the castle, the sunlight, and the clouds shining through. That's a symbol. I see that as a symbol of hope as well. There were there was always hope for this movie for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and it and it did. The hope helped this movie. It it really bring the, brought this movie to life, and it proved everybody wrong. It proved everybody wrong that that many the people who thought that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was gonna fail, they were wrong. They were proved wrong. This movie. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs proved to be a success, and and with the castle in the background, the beautiful castle in the background, I see I find that representing the symbolism of the of the cup of the future of the company, especially 
the the logo itself of the of the castle for Walt Disney Pictures, and and that's that's from my point of view. That's my point of view. If you know the if you've seen this final scene, if you've seen this final scene, you I'm pretty sure many of you will have different answers to it, which is obviously fine. But this is from my point. But this is just my point of view, my in my personal opinion. So so yes, and that's it. That is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And to tell you this, it still holds up to this day. After eighty six, after eight, oh, about eighty five, eighty six years later, this movie holds up so well. And and to and I, I and to this day, I would I would get this to this day. This movie will will be remembered as a as a classic, an animated feature film classic, and. On top of this, uh, and also, and also, uh, the voice acting, the music, the story, and the direction of where they went with this film is is amazing. And with all the hard work that was put into this movie, it paid off very well. And and with the success of that movie, we got other film, Disney films that came out like Fantasia, Pinocchio, Dumbo, Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland. Lady and the Tramp, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, The Lion King, so many great Disney films to come out after Snow White. For Snow White that came out 85, 86 years later, it takes the top spot, in my personal opinion, as the best Disney animated feature film. It beats out almost every single Disney animated feature film. A lot of people are going to talk about... Uh, Let's talk about some of the uh, some of the latest Disney movies like Frozen, Encanto, Zootopia, Wreck It Ralph, or any other Disney animated films that came out that that came out most recently. Like everybody's gonna talk about that, but Snow White beats out almost every single Disney animated feature film that came that came out after it. Now speaking now speaking of top on speaking of top honors, um. The American film now the American Film Institute um ranked this ranked Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in the greatest animated feature film category. Like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, it takes the number one spot for for the American Film Institute's top ten top ten best animated films, and Snow White is number one. Number two is Pinocchio. Number three is Bambi. Number four is The Lion King. Number five is Fantasia. Number six is Toy Story. Number seven is Beauty and the Beast. Number eight is Shrek. Number nine is Cinderella. And number ten is Finding Nemo. That should say something right there. Like, like Snow White being the very first full-length Disney animated feature film the film that started it all takes the top spot in the American Film Institute of top 10 movies in the animation category. And that should tell you that animation is cinema. It is it is not a genre, it is not just your typical genre. It is it is it is cinema. Animation is cinema. It is a cinema it is a it is an animated cinematic masterpiece. That should be watched. That that should be watched again, time after 
time after time. And people will remember Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as not only one, the best Disney, Disney movie to come out, but also the best animated feature film as a whole. That basically wraps up my review of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. To this day, I still enjoy it. I still enjoy it to this day, and I remember, and I will still remember this movie. This is a very good film, a very good film to watch, and I highly recommend watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the original 1937 Disney animated classic. That wraps it up. What do you all think? What do you all think of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Have you seen this movie? Did you like the movie? Did you think the movie still holds up to this day? Was there anything in this that I missed out? I would like to hear your thoughts. So anyway, thank you all for tuning in to Kodo Cinema. I'm your host, Bar Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. Remember to watch movies and stay positive.